Hello, this is Dr. Brandon Park with Neurodiversity University, brought to you by New Focus Academy. I typically have Marissa Davis here alongside of me, and she is definitely the more entertaining, charismatic part of our duo. But she was unable to be here for this one, and we felt it was really important to talk about this topic. And the topic is helping students, staff members, and families deal with the uncertainty of life, specifically right now with the COVID-19 or the coronavirus and the pandemic. There is a lot of uncertainty in the world. Now, while there's typically not global uncertainty like there is today, there is these kind of powerful types of forces that can happen in a person's life. And so what are some of those things and how can we help students to learn how to deal with those things? So I wanted to talk to you today about a few things that I felt were really important. So first off, dealing specifically with the events at hand for our population. And just, you know, I'll also talk about how to work with students at home for those parents who might be listening who have a child that's neurodiverse in home and they're trying to help them work through it. But specifically, I kind of want to talk a little bit about programs today to start with. And we can kind of do and address some of the things that we've been doing that we've found helpful and some things that we think are important for this population. One of the things is having a really strong focus with our coaches, with our therapists, and as a team, you know, reassuring these students, helping to validate their concerns, helping them to understand that this is hard to deal with the unknown. And unfortunately, while this is kind of a large event, it is something you may affect, have other events like this in the future. So for our students, I'm sure many students in many programs, they either just came back from spring break or they were just about to go on spring break. For ours, they just came back. And then suddenly there's all this fear in the news. They can tell their parents are afraid. They can tell staff members are afraid. Suddenly the places they love going to for activities as part of their program are shut down. There's travel restrictions. And it just makes this really weird, uncertain world. And also, you know, a lot of the kids are you know, becoming a little crazy, a little stir crazy, being, you know, kind of shut down and locked into their homes while we're dealing with this virus. And so this creates a lot of anxiety. And so validating their concerns, sometimes students that are neurodiverse, particularly, and this can be also true of any typical student, but especially in the neurodiverse population, their emotional processes and their thinking processes aren't always very well aligned. In fact, that's a lot of reason why they have a lot of more emotional reactivity in this population, a lot more atypical depression and atypical anxiety, because they're experiencing emotions that they can't always figure out or understand cognitively. So their cognitive system and their emotional system aren't very well aligned. Sometimes they can feel emotions and not really understand where they're coming from. Sometimes helping them to connect the dots on why they may feel weird or feel scared or feel nervous or feel stir crazy or feel frustrated, helping them to understand what is happening in the world and what's happening to them and to the people around them can be very helpful, you know, providing reassurance, helping them to understand what we've done to take care of them and help them feel safe. Some other important things is making sure that there's good communication with their family members and loved ones. With our program specifically, we have a technology success program, so our students have phones. And so with that, although there's a lot of 
work we have to do with those phones, with the phone apps and things like that. We can talk more about that in another episode. But with that, though, they're able to contact their families daily. That has helped our population a lot to be able to know their families are okay, stay connected to them. For students who haven't earned their phone privileges, we try to make sure that phone calls, regular phone calls are still happening and help the parents and the students then to feel more safe and reassured. Making sure that there's a clear routine and a schedule that we get right into routine and schedule as soon as possible. You know, we were just finishing our spring break as the panic level hit quite high. And so making sure that we did a lot to, you know, reestablish the routine as quickly as we could, reestablish schedule, re- you, know, you know, provide consistency and normalcy. So this was something where not only are we working on our students with this, we're working with our staff on this. And our staff are anxious. I mean, they, how can they not be? So also validating the concerns of our staff member, providing them reassurance, helping them to know we care about them, helping them feel understood and heard and supported. Trying then to help redirect our coaches to provide that same reassurance to the students then made that an easier step for them. So by making sure that we focused on our direct milieu staff, our teachers, and our therapists in helping them to feel safe, to feel reassured, and talk them through their concerns, help them to then turn around and do that with the students. And this sounds great. Sounds like, you know, the way I'm laying it out may sound perfect, but no, there's been chaos and sometimes we're running from fire to fire, but that's truly been one of the things that we've tried to focus on. And we've seen some really great success with that as we're reassuring our coaches, them being able to reassure our students. Some other things that were really helpful is helping them to understand a little more about the virus, you know, being clear and explaining that the virus has this fatty lipid tissue that surrounds it. And that that fatty lipid tissue doesn't survive in soap and water. And if you give a good 20 to 30 second, you know, hand washing, it rips that fatty tissue apart and destroys the virus. Help them to feel like they understood why, you know, a real clear understanding of why they're doing this and what that does to the virus and then why that helps them to stay safe. You know, we constantly hear in the media, wash your hands, it'll protect you but they don't understand why washing the hands protects them. So helping them understand this is what the cell is built like. When you do this and you put fat and oil in soap, it destroys it. And talking them through that, that made a lot of sense to these kids. And they've been much better about subsequently washing their hands and being more willing to do it. Helping them understand that cleaning, doing good cleaning gives them control. So with our coaches and our students, really trying to do a lot of cleaning, and helping them understand that that gives them more safety and then subsequently gives them more control. So we have definitely done that a lot. Also, me and my partner do that a lot sometimes too when the kids are in classes. Just, you know, not only do we not want our, our kids sick, we don't want our coaches sick. And so sometimes I'm Lysol bombing the house and then everyone makes fun of me. But, you know, it's still an important part of this. And that kind of leads me to another thing, humor. Using humor as we were talking with our coaches, you know, definitely we need to take a serious tone. We need to make sure that we're clear. We have a clear plan. We're providing thorough learning to coaches, to students, to parents, to everyone else. But adding in a touch of humor is really great. 
one of my favorite things therapeutically is using humor to counteract anxiety. It's hard to hold anxious feelings and laughter or humor at the same time. So adding a little levity to the situation whenever appropriate (laughs) is a great way to do things. Just helping to take that edge off of what's happening. Make sure that we're encouraging our staff and our students to take self-care, to take time to use breaks and reassure them that taking a break is a good thing. You know, we've got a little break room and really trying to encourage our coaches to take breaks. We've got several sensory nooks at our facility. It's very helpful. Subsequently, we need to help them not feel stir crazy. In this environment, that's hard. It's hard for any program. It's hard for any program under normal circumstances. But when you add all the things that are going on, the extra anxiety, the limitations of going out into the public, places being closed, then suddenly that stir-crazy element definitely escalates and becomes more of a difficult problem. So really working with the students on doing interactive games, going to parks and hikes and going fishing, where you're in an open-air environment, there's a lot less public touching of things. We're still using good cleaning protocols, but being outdoors is actually a good way to feel good about yourself, to feel more relaxed. And it also is a great way to help these kids feel less stir crazy. So definitely I would say that that's been a very helpful tool for us. Still a struggle. Right now we're just ending winter. That's always a tough time to do a lot of outdoor activities because things are kind of muddy and slimy and not as much fun to go out in, but we're doing the best we can. Service. Having these students give service has been helpful. We had them, you know, tie blankets the other day. We had them work on painting some cars that were going to be subsequently sent to hospitals to help out children. Some of those things are really great. Making sure that we help them to understand how helping others and serving others is also important. We just had a group today. We had them first identify their emotions. You know, we have a great emotion chart with monsters that have different emotions. You know, so none of the kids could say that they're doing okay or fine or good. They actually had to say, I feel this emotion, or I feel this emotion, or I feel this emotion. And some of them are negative, and there was no judgment. But allowing them to start expressing their emotions, identifying those emotions. And then after that group, or after we had them identify their emotion, we asked them, what was something kind or good that they had done for somebody, you know, since the last group yesterday morning? And this helped the kids to really be focused on doing more positive things for each other doing things for coaches, doing things for peers. And there's several of our students that couldn't think of anything, but luckily we knew of the, we knew of some things, and so we were able to point out something for them so they could think about some of the positive things that they'd done. These are definitely things that, you know, many of these things can help typical students, but, you know, for our neurodiverse students, really working on that emotional connection, validation, routine, has been very, very important and helpful. So one more thing I really want to hone in on is, as I mentioned before, helping my staff, I think, is paramount. There's only one of me. While I feel like I'm really good with working with the students, there's only one of me to go around. If I do a good job, then working with the staff, working with my teachers, working with my coaches, working with my therapists, I really find that that is paramount 
to leading to good care towards the students because then it has more of a a cascading effect. You know, you help a direct care staff, that direct care staff can then help five students. As I help a teacher, that teacher can then help eight to 16 students and so on and so forth. I feel it's also very important to kind of reach out and help parents as best we can. Obviously, I'm not the therapist for parents or anything like that, but, you know, good regular communication with parents, I think, has been helpful. We've tried to do a nice, you know, email showing what we're doing, showing pictures of the kids doing activities, showing pictures of the supplies. We made sure we had five weeks of supplies. So providing this reassurance to parents of, hey, here's what we're doing to protect your children. Here's what we're doing to make sure that your child is safe. You know, maybe add a few little funny comments in here or there to add just a touch of levity and making sure those things are going out every few days. That's been really helpful, I think, for a lot of the parents. There's still a lot of anxiety, and I get that. But the constant feedback we've been getting from parents is those kind of emails that really show our earnestness not our perfection, but our earnestness in trying to protect their child has been very helpful for them and very validating. Coming back to if you happen to have a neurodiverse child that's in the home, definitely this is a struggle because there's not other, there may be less other people for them to interact with, but establishing a clear routine, kind of many of the same things that we just talked about for a program will still apply to your home environment. You know, making sure there's fun, interactive games, making sure there's a routine and a schedule, validating their emotions, validating their feelings. These are still going to be things that'll be really great. It may be important though to get some outside help via coaching, via mentoring, via therapy. I know there's some therapy that's happening in virtually now, so through FaceTime, Skype, and other Zoom, and other different types of video calling formats where, you know, your child can then talk to a mentor, talk to a coach, talk to a therapist, and get some outside support. Often we find with these kids is sometimes they get so emotionally flooded and locked down that they stop listening to their parents, the people they love the most. Their anxiety is all gone and they don't always listen. Yet when they're talking to somebody they don't interact with as much, and they've got a little bit of personal anxiety because they don't know that person as well, sometimes they're more apt to listen to some of the words and things that someone outside the home is saying. So I definitely would encourage families to explore options related to, you know, mentoring, coaching, and therapy to get an outside voice to help with reinforcing what you're trying to get across to your child. Definitely, there's still many stellar programs that are doing a great job of keeping students safe, so that's always an option as well. If you have any questions about that, a great thing to do is to look up an educational consultant in your area. Sometimes you can identify those through an organization called IACA, although not all educational consultants are involved in that. So, not as much levity in this quick podcast as I would have hoped. But I really wanted to kind of get across, here's what we're doing, here's what I think is good, best practices. There's a lot more to this detail-wise, such as, you know, for parents and for people to know, I know many programs are doing this. We have signs at the doors, we're checking all the students every day, we're checking every staff that walks through the door, we're checking every visitor, we're limiting visitors, 
We have, you know, if someone needs to see our facility, we're doing virtual tours. So there's a lot of things we're doing as well to, as preventative measures. But I really kind of also wanted to touch today on more not the not some of the concrete things as much as, hey, here is how you help a child deal with the uncertainty of this world. And again, to me, it's really important that not only are we helping them with the uncertainty of this moment, but we're helping these students understand that there's going to be uncertainty in their lives. One thing these students struggle with is generalizing information from one situation to another or one place to another. As we're talking with them about these things, making sure that we're reinforcing the idea that, hey, you are dealing with a great deal of uncertainty and fear, but this will happen again. Maybe not globally, but maybe interpersonally. How will you handle this? How will you take the skills you're learning now and translate it? If we just expect them to learn from this moment, they won't. If we're clear about how these things that they're doing from a concept-driven level translates to future and subsequent events that'll happen in their lives, loss of a family member, losing a girlfriend or a boyfriend, losing a job, having, you know, something, you know, unfortunate or unhappy happen in their lives that really destabilizes them and makes life feel very uncertain. If we can talk with them about not only using good practical skills to get through this event, but how that translates to future events, then we're really helping them to gain a lot of therapeutic process out of this event. I thank you for your time. And again, this is Dr. Brandon Park, normally with Marissa Davis, and we're from Neurodiversity University, brought to you by New Folks Academy. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.